9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Go Plug Yourself podcast. On this episode, Chris Vendito and I talk to Erica J. Schmidt. Erica is a writer, translator, podcaster, uh, blogger, all kinds of things that Erica does. It's a lot of fun. Um, Erica is on the show to talk about uh, her podcast, which is called This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. Find it wherever you find podcasts, pretty much. Uh, You can also check out her writing at ericajschmidt.com. Just a quick, I guess, word, I don't know, warning, word to the wise. Uh, This is it. We we get a little more personal in this episode than we usually do, which is a little bit of a, I guess, a preview if you're going to enjoy Erica's podcast, This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life, because she gets it's very personal in those episodes. So, I mean, sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and uh, go plug yourself. Do you want get it? Go plug yourself. You plug another plugger. Go plug yourself. You plug another plugger. Go plug yourself. You plug another plugger. Go plug yourself. Hey, buddy. Uh, you, you didn't come to my house this weekend, though. It made me sad. No, uh, no, I wasn't going to come for AEW. I don't come for AEW. I'll come, I'll for, come for Tony Khan's fake numbers. <laughs> you think it's fake numbers? No, I, I've had this discussion with our, co- our co-host Lawrence this week and some yeah. other folks. And it's like they sold tickets for $7 a pop. And they're like, oh, biggest gate of all time. And it's like, no, it's not. First of all, don't make me defend Vince McMahon. But now you're forcing me to defend Vince McMahon. No, don't biggest, do that. Biggest gate of all time is WrestleMania 32. I looked it up. But not only did I look it up, Endeavor was sure to announce it very loudly yesterday. In yes. many conference calls. That actually, our gate was the most by like almost $7 million. Yeah, dollars, dollars to it's it's all those fake numbers. And I mean, and like I said, actual I mean, it's, people—it's billionaires cockfighting at the end of the day. But like, and I, I love that the reigning. So Erica, we're 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 big wrestling fans. Okay, Erica has, yeah, has a shock look on her face right now. Yeah, we're just starting cool. with a little wrestling banter. I promise, this is not what the show is. I heard about like. a cockfight recently. Actually, <laughs> somebody went to I don't know Spain, Israel. There was a cockfight, and also uh-huh. the cockfights are. Yeah, I I as an <laughs> occasional traveler. I'm always like I would be like tempted, but then I feel I would just be horrified and sad if yeah. I like found myself at one. You know, some of the stuff that happens in Europe would make what Michael Vick did to those dogs uh, look like uh, family time. What did, what did Michael Vick do to the dogs? Years ago, he was involved Don't. in a dog fighting rig in, in okay. southern Georgia, and he went to jail for it. Uh, okay. And again, I'm not saying this as a good thing, but like there's there are bad people really in the bad world. there's like in south america and in europe and in, in australia there's like really bad animal fighting that people are not people... into the animals the way we are i think they no. see it as rats you know like yeah that, but if we that, have a like... rat fight here like I would yeah exactly watched. like you, you wouldn't see someone in new york being like oh my goodness like i, I need to save these rats who are just like mauling each other in the in the in the no, subway you, you would just yeah. be like eh, and just walk yeah. by and like well, not the, even the new york rats would be like excuse me we have this covered thank you yeah, 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 yeah. maybe conversation but the new york rats have formed a circle around the fighting yeah, rats yeah. and they're, they're bending like... themselves they're bending yeah. themselves <laughs> exactly right i saw a twitter thread yesterday that said though that uh, movie theaters need to allow dog screening so you bring your fur babies for babies, well, yeah, for emotional Which, support and a scary show. Sure, 
Uh, I think that's why streaming was invented, though. Okay. <laughs> Listen, yeah. as as a uh, someone who will never have a human child, uh, and you do, bring and your I, dog everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I do bring my dog everywhere, but however, I'm very very conscious of the fact that my dog is generally like quiet and chill, and like doesn't make a fuss, doesn't bark at anybody, doesn't bark even if another dog walks in. I feel that like. It's a lot like a baby. If I bring my dog and my dog starts making noise and causing problems, I will leave immediately. Exit. I'm not gonna, Time to exit. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to subject the entire bar to my shitty dog if she's whining and like peeing on the floor. Yeah, no, I that's refuse. not cool. <laughs> What kind of dog do you have? Can I raise my, my standing desk? Is this, have we started the podcast? Yeah, oh, yes. This is how we start the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Erica, and I have a standing desk, and it, I just want to put my elbows yes. on there. Okay. No good. worries. Okay. Um, but what kind of dog do you have? I have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Okay, it was Charming. my wife's uh, dream dog to okay. have this this dog this breed, uh, and we it was we got her five years ago, and she's been uh, a blessing and a nightmare all at once. When you but say she, when you say the name that way, it sounds like you shop at Whole Foods. What Cavalier King Charles Spaniel? Oh, Cavalier King Charles. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean that. <laughs> It's a type of spaniel. That's what do you want. Like it's not. I have a cockapoo. People are into your spaniels. Oh, do you really have a cockapoo? Yeah. (gasps) Oh my goodness. It's the best dog. I know. My sister has dogs. They sponsor my podcast. The dogs, Lil and Bud, the cockapoos. They are. I love them so much. I have greeting cards that I I don't really sell. I mean, you can buy them, but if you, my friend, I'll probably end up just giving you one. But no, everybody (laughs) should buy a dog card. But yeah, Lil and Bud, they're like celebrity dog friends. And when you're having a. When you have a bad day, you just look at their faces, and then you're like, oh, they love you, you know? Apple, I don't know why I'm showing this on the screen, this is audio only, but Apple started this thing where you can do slideshows on your phone as your oh, screensaver. Yeah. And I cho- and it, 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 you could p- pick, like, uh, fur, fur babies in the, in, the, in the options, and I picked my dog, and so, every, so whenever I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, I just grab my phone and be like, oh! Yeah, I know. It's it's very soothing. I yeah. Cockapoos don't age. Also, uh, they never die. Age. They're never gonna die. Well, no, he's he's probably gonna die soon. It's no, he's never gonna, gonna die. Gonna but his face, like his face, is still a puppy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They look like cartoon. They're it's like crazy. they're like Muppets. But your dog won't die. When my sister, if my sister's dog is not gonna die, and if Lily dies, we're all gonna take a year off. Like that's it. A year off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Forget <laughs> it. Just call all bets are off. I uh, have thought about the money that Sarah and I are saving by not having a child. And I've been like, if we invest, say, like a college fund amount of money. We've spent also a lot of money at the vet, but it's still a significant less amount than putting a kid through college. But if we were to like save up and invest in that much money, I'm like, are we going to get to the point where I can clone my dog? Like, are we going to get to the, like, accessible technology level of where I could clone my dog every, like, 10 years and just always have the same dog? And, like, she somehow, like, retains her personality and everything. It's so sad. It's, like, furry, built-in heartbreak. The dog. Yeah, and dying. you know it's coming. Yeah, that's... and so fast. Yeah, no, that's it. I... Devastating. I had, uh, like, I, I grew up with always big dogs. So, like, even a dog living longer than, like, 10 years is a would be a big deal for me because like we grew up with like a German Shepherd, a mm-hmm. Rottweiler, Doberman. The Doberman lived at, I want to say to like almost 11 or 12, but like the a Rottweiler, 
Rottweilers don't make it to 10 almost no. as a general. They're, they're so big. They have hip problems. They have skull mm. problems. They're just, just that that's what happens to Rottweilers. There's going to be, not say always, but there's a high likelihood that if you have a Rottweiler, a decade is about as much time as you're going to have with them. So I was like always very aware of like the, the short lifespan of dogs. We're starting this show on a huge bummer. Yeah. That's- <laughs> what a start. What a start. We went from billionaires fighting to uh, cockfighting internationals to dogs dying. Dogs yes. dying. It's, I, I mean, it's fresh in mind. I, uh, uh, I've cut, like Sarah's cousin, her, uh, her Doberman passed away like suddenly. In the last week or two ago. Stop Marley and me in the podcast. I'm just saying. It was like, like literally. Eric, like, have you ever seen Marley and me, by the way? It's uh, that's, that's no, a I heard that was just terrible. I heard it was just awful. It's a horror like, film. It's no, a horror film. These are just, like, they're just, they make psychopaths cry, these dog movies. Just my child, I have, but see, my father never cried at dog movies. Okay. And so the way my childhood worked was my mother and my sister are very tiny people. And they cried together they got to cry a lot and i was younger but i was bigger you know i was i was not one of the tiny and adorable humans and so we'd all watch dog movies and my mom and my sister would cry just relentlessly just as though someone had died and someone had died a dog had died and i was like what my dad's not crying and i would just sit there and bite my lip and try not to cry because i felt like my dad was judging the tiny and adorable humans for crying but now let me tell you, like, I will cry in a heartbeat at a dog dying at like, I don't know, like losing my keys, anything. I don't hold back at all anymore. But yeah, that's how I feel about dog movies is that too sad. They're have you guys, sad. have either of you seen Guardians of the Galaxy 3 yet? No, yeah. I'm, I'm a Philistine. I don't watch a lot of movies or that's okay. television, except for... Grey's Anatomy and now the Quebec Grey's Anatomy. Oh, there's Is a Quebec, Quebec Grey's Anatomy? Anatomy. Well, it's not really. It's called Stats, and they it comes out four days a week. And I just discovered it. It's a telenovela. Season one has a hundred and sixteen episodes. Holy cow! You're locked, so, baby. You're locked in. My life is over. Yeah, you only need to have the one show now. Yeah, I'm already on episode like 77 or something, and it's been like a rough August. So that's like it's been my project. But I guess it's practicing my French, but very embarrassing. But uh, I didn't see Guardians of Angels. I don't. Guardians of the Galaxy. Of the Galaxy. No, okay. I'm not. A, we're calling that Guardians of Angels from now on. Guardians okay. of Angels. Yeah. No, did no, you cry? Did you cry, Chris? I mean, I, I, much like Erica was saying before, I'm, I'm at an age now in my 30s where I'm just crying at everything. Yeah, this movie... I'll watch, I'll watch network television. I'm sure I would cry at that show that Erica just referenced. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, cry, yeah I'm crying too much these days. Yeah, Guardi- guys- Guardians 3 made me cry multiple times. Made Sarah ball her eyes out repeatedly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cute robot or cute cyborg animals that are like cute marketing opportunities that are being threatened and you just cry and you know and you know everything that's going to happen to them yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the, the robots designed them to like get into your heart probably. basically oh, yeah. yeah no they're they're 100 percent built by like they're built by the people that built baby yoda to like mm. when you see baby yoda you're just like ah so cute or whatever mm. like it just Every AI algorithm is just pointed pointed this to make you want to like take care of these little helpless creatures, oh. and then you're like, of course, terrible things are going to happen to them. Uh, <laughs> joining us ten minutes into the show, oh. Erica Erica Schmidt. Oh, it's me. It's the guest, um, like writer, podcaster, uh, woman about town. Is this is that? Yeah. Accurate? <laughs> well, I have I have a new podcast. It's yeah. called um, This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life, and mm-hmm. 
it is uh, I it's mostly Montreal people but it's for people who may or may not have transformed their lives into spectacular TED Talks so oh. the idea is that like a lot of us have interesting stories to tell about how we cried or did not cry in movies during our talent <laughs> during our child childhoods and but like not everybody gets to go on Oprah and tell everybody about how interesting they are right. so that's why I wanted to have a podcast. I like to talk to people. My first guest was not a Montrealer, though. It was my grandmother. She's now 97. She was 96 when she did the interview. And oh, wow. she's like a bit of a diva. She loved it. Uh, but I have people like a lot of fringe artists. I heard you guys also like fringe artists. Uh, yeah, we had uh, we had Paul on, I think. Actually. Yeah, Paul, yeah. and he was my guest, too. And yeah. then Abby Stonehouse will be my guest in a few weeks. And... So comedians, John Kotrakois, I don't know if he's been on, but, and yeah, people also a bit of a mental health um, vibe. Like I feel like people, I know a lot of people from the storytelling community and when they're like, you know, I like talking about storytelling and creativity and stuff, but when they are also have some sort of mental health issue that they're willing to share, I find that very interesting mm -hmm. because we're all crying a lot, Chris. A lot of people are crying. I think, a lot of no, I, don't, I, think, I was going to say, I think volume of, I think also volume of crying, like, and, and, and this is not a negative or a judgment of any way, I think really, really peaked during the pandemic when yeah. everybody was really like, I think confronted with like the fragility of society and we're all just like, oh, hang on, what, what are we all doing? And everybody's taking stock of everything and, and there's just this big massive thing i think that a lot of people were confronting like even if they weren't weren't necessarily new emotions you know what i mean like, like yeah. the world's been was messed up before the pandemic it wasn't like all of a sudden it yeah. got messed up but no, it was just I, like i don't think it's the pandemic for me keith i don't mean to i don't mean to step on your story no i i i actually think it's part of a natural way of, of growing um and you become more um oh i'm not i, mean, I'm, I think you become more, more of an adult and you start realizing that emotions are a good thing. I yeah, think no, I I, I agree with you. I think there's a it's a it it, it is a level of maturity that people change. I think the pandemic to. is a negative connotation. I don't it, think it, no, I'm not I'm not tying into the pandemic. I'm saying that a lot of people had time to sort of reflect and like I think feel that weight and they were yeah, less and they made, and they they, made sourdough bread, but like they were less distracted though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, self-awareness is not, it can be a real drag or a tearjerker also. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. I think you can get there on your own, but I think that there was that, the elements of isolation, thinking alone with your thoughts and being forced to confront, maybe, like the spin was, people became maybe more like self-reflective and, and thought about where they were in their lives and where everything was know. going. I think, that, I think we lost that battle when the Ottawa convoy happened. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Oh, yeah. I mean, some people might have looked self-reflected, looked inside, and determined they were real pieces of shit. Chris, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of white folks didn't follow that too. <laughs> the the self-reflection was not fruitful. I mean, I've been crying on the sidewalk for a long time. Like, I I, I have had no no trouble connecting with my emotions, um, <laughs> except except when I was little watching dog movies. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's a mental health like situation happening i just think like it's like i don't know this is a personal question but are you guys medicated like it feels like i'm not medicated but i also don't cope well in the world and it's like i just wonder if being medicated is necessary 
to uh, cope in the world. I don't. I'm not. I'm not medicated on any antidepressant, but I yeah. have, have a well documented case of ADHD that has been oh, yeah. talk, spoken about on this show <laughs> ad nauseum. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not medicated either, but I have friends who, who, who are medicated professionally, and uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just as irrational and emotional as I am on my worst day. Yeah, they still have panic attacks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, see, this is funny, because I've always related panic attacks when I was younger to the, the movies Analyze This and Analyze That, which is maybe not <laughs> most, like, responsible your, place. Your go-to is De Niro. But when you look back on it now, it was a gateway into mental health uh, into a community that for years, and then that 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 couple with the Sopranos really uh, introduced the Italian community to uh, you know battling mental health because it was always just bury it, bury your feelings, mm-hmm. bury your emotions, and I think the new age of uh, my my fellow Italians were a lot more uh, connected with uh, our demons and were able to admit to them and able to you know kind of challenge them on the on, on a surface level as a as a opposed to burying them in our in our pasta mm-hmm. in your pasta and wine also it's a lot of alcohol in italy or not italian there is not yeah. not not so much on not so much on this part okay. uh, i try not to drink i already have enough vices okay yeah 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 okay um so but, I, 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 I wanted to ask you, Erica, just so what, like, so we, we talked a little bit about the show. Obviously, if you yeah. if you want to take a, a pause, listener, or after the show, go to ericaschmidt.com slash podcast. And you can Erica listen. J. Schmidt. A- Erica J. Schmidt. Another, yes. another J, Chris. Yeah. A J initial. Yeah. I know. I know. I was thinking that. But great website, though, Erica. And I do oh, want to ask you some questions after. But yeah. Okay. Uh, but I wanted to ask, just obviously, to, to, to back it up. So you spoke to your grandma right away. Uh-huh. But where where did the, the whole, the concept of, you're like, I'm just, I'm, I know these people. I want to talk about transformation. I want to. I also saw that um, you you've coined your term of like an Oprah moment, and now oh, yeah. I, and now and this show the seems Oprah to project, be Keith. yeah the, the Oprah. Oprah. Pro- oh, people have Oprah projects, and now this is you get to be Oprah also on the show. Oh, the so. Oprah project. That's right. I did invent the Oprah project. So that's like the thing that will land you in Oprah's like emerald green forest. Um, I just wait for our friend Keith to come back. Um, but yeah, the, an Oprah project is the, the thing that you do that will like, Oprah will get really excited about and then she'll be like, hey Erica, get your ass down to my Oprah forest. We gotta talk, you know, like she talks to like Prince Harry and Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm-hmm. And so that's the Oprah project. Mm-hmm. But with, oh, and now I get to be Oprah and give people <laughs> their Oprah moments in my apartment or it was <laughs> at my grandmother's nursing home. Uh, and. You know, I actually think that a big part of it is giving people the spotlight. I mean, I have like, I have some like semi-celebrities, like some people who are kind of like making their, starting to make their living doing their art and stuff. And I had my sister who is like a very successful children's performer. But I think that one of the important parts is to like, look at the person. Like I spent quite a long time, like, researching the person and I like look at every video that I can find and sometimes there are only two because the person you know has been done a live storytelling show like two or three times but like I I try to get as much information as I have and like just make it it's like your life is worth an interview I want to know everything about Mm -hmm. you and I do think that that like sometimes I see people and I'm only now I'm like 11 episodes in they're not all published but 
I, I think it can be meaningful to like write somebody a full bio and like with all, and I'm not, I, brevity is not my strong suit at all. <laughs> I'm no, like I go over the limit for show notes, everything. Uh, but to just give somebody that moment where it's like, here is uh, like Alexia is what a guest who's coming up. And it's just like, here's Alexia. She's like 24, but here's all the things she's done. And here, like just to like, you know, tell somebody like your life is meaningful. Let's hear about it. And mm -hmm. I, I do think that that is like, I, I, I want to make it like for the person, like when I'm preparing the blog post and stuff, I want it like, like I want the person who is in the podcast to feel really good about it. And then like, obviously everybody wants to have listeners and followers, but like, I find like if nothing else, like when somebody hears their podcast and they're just like, oh, I love it. I loved it. <laughs> then I feel like, I'm like, that's great. And they'll always have it. They can share it with their friends. And it's like, they have that moment when they were like in the, in my house, I call the magical treehouse palace. And we just like, I don't know, we have some good moments. Like the technical difficulties are sort of wearing me down lately, but I try to like remember the um, the laughter. Like I laugh very hard on the podcast. We do something called um, a ukulele segment. Uh, so I think, I don't know, I don't have the rights for the songs or anything. So I don't know if I'll get sued, but I'm not very famous. So nobody's complained I yet. I doubt it. I think it'll I, be okay. I also like, we just, we just slaughter the song. So it's not like we're like... <laughs> Yeah, I feel there's Paralog like there's something. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's a, it's a, it's a performance. It's a rendition of another. Yeah, song. it's so definitely it's, a it's rendition. Fine. It's not the real thing. It's and so like guests who are not necessarily singers will like pick a song that I can play, and I am very not like I'm like I call myself an advanced beginner at the ukulele. Like I'm not I'm not the worst, but I'm not that great. It was never my thing to become a rock star. And so then we play at the end and they sing and it's just like, it's one of my favorite parts. It's just so spontaneous. And so like, just, it's just so not trying to be that good at something, which I think is healthy to like have something <laughs> in your life you do that you don't have to be that good at, like a non-performative around that I'll be serious for a second. Yeah, like just yeah. definitely fucking around. So yeah, that's it, having the Oprah moment. I don't know, did I answer the question? I think so. I okay. think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Chris, you had something on your mind. The Mammoth Project. Oh my goodness, you guys really did research. I've never <laughs> had this happen in my life. Well, I mean, it caught my eye right away as a- <laughs> But Erica has a lexicon. Of, yeah, I have a glossary a on glossary. my website, ericajschmidt.com slash glossary. <laughs> I didn't know anybody read it. So uh, what what does a mammoth complex mean to you? Do you have anything? Like well, as a person who's closer to mammoth than petite, <laughs> um, well, well, just being fair, uh, it, it definitely makes made me think of my own, I guess, you know, back and forth battle. Like I lost 250 pounds, uh, you know, when, when I was oh, wow. uh, 26, 27, then I gained mm -hmm. it all back and then some, and now I'm trying That's to lose huge, weight yeah. again. And it's a lot harder to do anything in your thirties than it right. was in your twenties. Uh -huh. So it made me think, I guess, a bit about how, uh, how we all deal with, so you, you were saying your family was very small, yeah, but did that ever, make you feel insecure about being so petite? Because you never think about that as a big person. You're never like, oh, I bet the small people also feel insecure. Well, here's the thing. I'm 5'8". Five, five, I'm like a tall 5'8". So I, I tower over my mother and my sister. And I am not um, like 
I'm not like a wafy person, you know, I have big mm. muscles. I probably have recently lost five pounds due to podcast stress, but like, I'm not like, I'm not a small, like I have a larger, like, I wouldn't say no, that's an obnoxious when somebody I'm, I have a more athletic build compared to my sisters who are my sister, who's just like little bird yeah. arms. Um, so I think like <laughs> anybody can have a mammoth complex, even the tiny people or, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a spectrum. Right. And also I have to be careful because I know like, for someone my size to say I have a fat day is is obnoxious, but that the truth is like we all we all do really struggle, uh, and to be self conscious about being like I would say I about being tinier. Like I don't identify as someone who's tinier, but I do like I have some friends who um, need to think about when they go to a performance. They have to think about well, like are there what are the chairs going to be like? Like, is it going to be big enough for me? Like, if they're not comfortable without armrests and like, you know, like I, my, I am, I'm sort of allergic to furniture. I have a standing desk and then everything else is on the floor. Like I have a patio chair, but I, I just have a bit of a problem acquiring <laughs> possessions. So I don't have a couch. And so my, I have like quite a minimalist space. And so I have a, a guest I wanted to come, but she's in a bigger body and it's like, She's not going to be comfortable at my house. So I'm going to go to her house and do the court recording there. But yeah, I'm like aware that, um, yeah, just, I'm just aware that like of the different struggles, like, you know, I can go out and wear like short shorts and whatever, and I don't even think about it. And well, one thing, my grandmother, the last time I was at my grandmother's house, um, I was wearing my short shorts and my sister was wearing something short too. And she said, I wonder how long, I wonder how long you two girls are going to be able to wear such short clothing. And I was like, well, as long as we want, because anybody is allowed to wear short, short. Yeah, anybody should be allowed to wear shorts whenever they want. Yeah, of course. Like, but my grandma, she's 97. She's like, oh, really? Well, I kind of think larger people shouldn't wear shorts and they should lose some weight. And I was like, you know, we have no idea why people are in larger bodies. I'm just telling this to a 97 year old. Listen, grandma. <laughs> yeah, listen, like we don't know what it's like. And to and we don't know that they would even be healthier at a lower weight. Like that's something we're fed, but it's not necessarily true. Um, and grandma says, well, you're very liberal. That's what she said. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think and I try not to like and what's interesting, too, I found that I like my my friends who I want to have on the podcast. It's like when I heard about her fat story and like, you know, how she was put on a diet really young and then like she was a candidate for um, gastric bypass surgery and she's like, I don't want to do that. The risks are terrible. And I heard all this and I was like, you know, I never really thought of you as a fat person. Like it was never like, I never thought, oh, well, like that, you know, when you think of these people, you're not like, oh, that's, she's fat. Like, I feel like you're very involved with yourself and maybe like the people who are really close to you. Like, I think you, I, I do at least compare myself to the people in my closer circles. But in terms of like walking down the street and being like, I mean, my grandmother would be like, well, that person shouldn't wear leggings, but I'm, I'm, I feel like we're almost not aware of other people. Like we're more, everybody, it's sort of cliche, but everybody is more aware of themselves than, than everybody else. I think there's a, that's a very good point, but I think there's a, for bigger people, there's a, a kind of um, we kind of know what we're each going through, mm-hmm. but it's, there, there's a difference between guys and girls, especially in the fat community, if you will, or the obese. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot harder. You were saying how I would never think of you as a fat person mm-hmm. because the the range is so much wider for women with 
you know, I've seen girls that are size 14 and perfectly healthy mm-hmm. call themselves like fat and obese, and it's just by no metric are you. Right, right. Beyonce's a size 14. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, this is the standard society, the pressure. Uh, you look at every celebrity, the, the, the rampant use of Ozempics in the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who is that all targeted towards, like, in terms of marketing and ads? It's, mm-hmm. it's targeted towards women before yeah. it's targeted towards men. So I've always, and I've spoken about this at length in my in my, my life uh, as an entertainer and as somebody who has gone through very public struggles with, with weight. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's something that I've seen my mother and my sister deal with over the years. And I think... Uh, the quality of life always comes back to being the main important thing. Yeah. And you're, so you're more hyper aware of not wearing short shorts in public or not oh. wearing a tank top in public. I mean, I know for, I know for my family, that's what, that's what it was uh, as, yeah. as bigger people. And I don't, I don't go to the beach and take my shirt off. I keep my shirt on type thing, you know, like yeah. I, I get, so it's, there's those, there's insecurities that some people wouldn't even think of because yeah. it's like, Oh, who cares? But it's like, you know, but I care. Like yeah. I, mm-hmm. I don't like, to feel like I'm naked to the world, you know, it sounds stupid, but like mm-hmm. it goes to your head a lot. I know for me it does, anyways, and that's what is the motivating factor a lot to, you know, to, to make lifestyle changes. Like you were saying about being a minimalist and like the no the no the no sofa. Like I, I sometimes have to have friends help me off a couch if it's too low, you know. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So. Like I guess um, one thing is I I definitely am very guilty of wearing short shorts. I, I wear whatever I, I want. Shorts, girl. Yeah, because like, <laughs> yeah, when I was, I was a teenager, like, shorts, girl. I think at yeah. the end of the day, it's all about whatever you're comfortable in, right? Like, yeah. Just, like it's just if you're if you're comfortable wearing something, that's I think the. I tell grandma you'll wear them as long as you want. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. Like it's the thing is because like oh, I was so I was so cruel to myself in my teens and like when I had a serious eating disorder, and now I'm sure my legs were like whatever more you know i'm sure they were ridiculous in my teenage years but i am just like i don't give a shit like people can look up my crotch i don't care i just like whatever i i just wear whatever i want and usually i feel more free in shorter things um but about the lifestyle thing like i yeah i had a guest who had um I mean, I think it's okay because it's going to be published, right? But Abby Stonehouse, she had... Well, uh, I know Abby very well. Yeah, right? Yeah, she yeah, lost yeah. lots of weight, right? Yeah. And that was her healing journey, right? But the, mm-hmm. the main thing was that she was healing her binge eating disorder, like her obsession with food and food addiction. Mm-hmm. And so she has managed her, um, you know, she went through like journaling all this. Like she, I don't know, I think she got a book and uh, she got a meal plan and whatever. And and it resulted in pretty radical weight loss. Uh, but some people can also have the same journey and not lose weight, right? Like they mm-hmm. might, they might be just a healthier, um, help, like just have a bigger set point. And like, yeah, I, I have lots of, uh, no, not lots of friends, but let's say a handful of friends. Like um, one comes to mind who every year she loses and she loses and gains like 40, 50 pounds, right? And it's yep. like if she just could have like stayed there in the middle at like 200 pounds or something, right? Like how much less chaos would that have been in her life? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, it, it runs really deep. Like there's like, you know. It yeah, is that's a- it. Like you see like a, I feel a, a lot of times you'll have someone who will go on the diet, they'll get healthy, and then they'll just keep going. And then you're like, oh, no, now it's. Now it's swinging, yeah. <laughs> you know, like 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 now you know it's swinging, going? and and you're like you said, it's causing causing chaos the other way yeah. around, where mood swings, as older, aggression. As I've, gotten, and... as I've gotten older, I've begun to appreciate the fact that some people can't gain weight. 
can't gain weight. Yeah. They struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And you don't consider that. It's like you don't consider uh, a tall person having trouble walking through doorways, right? Until Mm -hmm. you're that tall person. But I've had met friends now who for years tried to put on weight Mm -hmm. for health reasons, not even just, uh, and they can't. They physically can't do it. Nothing, they just, the metabolisms run different. So, like you were saying before about how, um, there could be many reasons why that obese person or that fat person is is, is a little fat still. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in my case. My case, it's clearly a, an eating disorder. Right. But, but um, yeah, you don't you know you don't know what people are going through until you, you kind of walk in their shoes, right? So, yeah, and it's, it's just it's- just like about having the peace, you know, like just about having so that like food and like the guilt and the spiral is not your whole is not your whole existence right like it's not about your your weight and stuff but um yeah like but yeah back to the the mammoth complex yeah the (laughs) essay series it was just like an exploration about like i sometimes i just feel so frustrated because i feel like for women there is a there is a lot of there are a lot of social advantages to being a bit like to being slim and fit and right like uh, for me, I don't even know that my family would accept me if I was like just a bigger person. Like it, like they they always make comments with everybody else. So why not with me, right? Like yeah, people I want could, me to. I could. I mean, just like my my mom has has passed away several years ago. But like my oh, mom was like the judgiest person I knew. <laughs> like I, I I have like like I remember like having ice cream and my mom was just sort of like you know being fat runs in the family like immediately like as a little kid i'm like what so damaging yeah i'm like what are we talking about like i'm i'm eight and what is what are you talking about like that's terrible you know like a hundred percent if if i definitely if i was a like every time i think i even had like a little like pot belly or whatever as a kid my mom was like like no you feel under scrutiny. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. I felt That's like it. from a young age, my body, I felt like I was scrutinizing and I just felt in general, the world was scrutinizing my body. And like the worst thing that could happen was to be like overweight. Yeah. And my, my judgy mom would absolutely, if I was, a, if I was a bigger like person, my, my mom would be like, like to my face at yeah. all times would just shame me constantly. That would. So did you have eating disorders or you just? I like, just. I don't know. I was, I was. I. I don't know. I was like short, so mm-hmm. I think I put. I showed weight really quick when I was a little mm-hmm. kid. Yeah, he was also a Mormon, so. Was, oh, you were witness, a Mormon. Witness. No, oh, no. I love calling. Difficult. I love calling him a Mormon just to piss yeah, him yeah. off. No, that's it. So it's like I was I was like a really, really tiny kid, like really, like really, really right. short. Like I was okay. uh, like up until I was like almost like 19 or 20. Like okay. I, gra- I graduated high school and was the shortest person in my graduating year, shorter than every girl, like way okay. below <laughs> every. And then did you ever grow or you still? I did. I'm like, I'm like, I mean, I, I grew to be like average guy. I'm like five nine now. Okay. Like, w- but I was like, when I graduated. <laughs> like, are you you're still a little short person? Yeah, yeah exactly. Are you still so tiny? Like, uh, yeah, but like when I, I graduated uh, high school, I was like five four or okay. something. Like, wow. it was, yeah, I was like, I was very small. You were I, tiny and adorable. You yeah. were like, Dr. Quiet Dog movie. <laughs> I was. Uh, but I was going to say, though, I was like, so A, one thing that happened was I think that like a difference on someone that small, like a five to 10 pound weight difference just shows immediately. Yeah. Like, so okay. my mom would just be like, you know, like if I if I took like a month off from skateboarding or whatever and ate a bunch of ice cream, I'd be like visibly bigger. Oh, <laughs> you God. know, but um, but what I was saying was that, that when you talked about just sort of like the opposite of being small, like I remember like being a 
being the absolute smallest guy in my school and being shorter than basically even all of the girls and stuff like that, there was that reverse thing Mm -hmm. of being like, oh, I'm supposed to be like hitting puberty and like becoming a man and I'm a boy. And like there's like dudes who are like jacked biceps and they're six feet tall already playing football. And I'm like, neat. (laughs) you know i'm just like i'm like we are the same age here and like i couldn't grow a mustache you know like if i if i wanted to and and also the idea of even just like like weird like hormonal teenagers like not to say that i was like looking to pick a fight but in my mind i was like oh if any guy in school picked a fight with me i would die you know so i was like even kind of like having like that scared element of like oh i'm just if I get picked on, it's over. I'm so tiny. And then like, did you feel like you lived in fear a little bit? Uh, I pr- I think I did for up until I discovered that I was kind of good at talking. Okay. Like like I think up to like grade nine, I was like, ah, oh, what am I gonna do? Because it's like everybody was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I was mm-hmm. just like, nah, you're gonna stay the same height that you were in grade six or whatever it was. <laughs> like you're just this is your height now, and I was like, okay, I guess this is life. And then I think when I realized I was, like, pretty good at talking my way in and out of situations or, like, making people laugh and whatever else, like, I was like, okay, I can I can talk myself out of any sort of, like, I, I don't ever really remember in grade 10 and 11 any, like, instances of really being bullied and anything that might have started off that way. I'd be like, let's let's make this a joke and kind of disarm the situation. But, like, if that hadn't have happened, I absolutely, I feel like I just would have been probably bullied a lot. But so, did you date in high school? Like I did. Okay, because you were charming, right? Like, I I, I guess. Like also, <laughs> I'm sure you were very good looking too. I didn't mean. Like, I, you know what I, I mean? I had like, I I had a the I had the same girlfriend through uh, grade like nine, ten, and eleven. Like I had oh, the I, I, I had a high school sweetheart that. Oh, yeah, but you're yeah, not. Yeah. That's not your wife. That is not my wife. Although okay. I, it did set a trend of me dating a lot of Italians. Okay. So it started in high school and like went through my life. I don't know okay. what it was. It's the cooking, I think. Okay. Because they <laughs> cook well. Okay. Delicious, delicious Italian food was always like a big, a big part of even even in high school. Just go, going over to her house and her like her. She would help her mom and make dinner and stuff like that. I'm like, this is the greatest food in the world. And subsequently, my wife is also Italian that I've been with for okay. like 15 years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get the pasta. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's it. So I, I, I yeah, I, I, but I always kind of like felt, like I said, especially I think in like grade seven and eight before I sort of like worked that out. That the was worst where I was, years of everyone's yeah, exactly. life. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I was like, I'm afraid, <laughs> afraid to open my mouth, like afraid of everyone. And like I said, it was really... Like, grade six, seven, eight was where, like, you, you kind of, like, you, you hit puberty. Like, you're hitting, like, 12, 13, 14. And it was, uh-huh. like, everybody was, like, a little taller than me. And then it just went to, like, oh, everyone is, like, a f- like up to almost a foot taller than I am. Yeah. And I'm just this tiny little person. And then it was, like I said, grade, grade nine, it was where I was, like, I'm going to just be a bit of a loud mouth, work I think. It. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, sometimes there's, like, you know, generically tall and attractive men and like they they don't have much like I'm it's fine I like honestly all sizes I'm like it's it's been years so I'm open to all the dimensions but um 
sometimes I find that taller men, it's like they've just gotten by on just being tall and conventionally attractive their whole life. And they don't, they're not interesting, like not to generalize. I'm sure there's very tall and tall, cute, interesting people, but there are also a lot of tall, cute, douchey dudes, TCDD. Um, <laughs> and I did, I think it's Is that the in thing, the glossary? Like, no, it is in the, I wrote a novel about, um, uh, about falling in love with my therapist. And one of the characters is the tall, cute, douchey dude. Uh-huh. Uh, but just like, I'm like, what is coming out of your mouth? How did you get away with that? Right? Like, just like untactful, like just raunchy. Anyways, I, I think that maybe shorter people were conditioned to try harder, which is a bit like, it's, <laughs> it might be. it's both like, sad and I don't know. It's maybe more of an effort. Yeah. I know you're not well, a big TV watcher, yeah. Erica, but it made me immediately think of the John Hamm character on 30 Rock, Chris. I don't know okay. if you recall. Oh, no. But uh, if you know John Hamm, uh, as the actor, is kind of a very, like, traditionally tall, charming-looking man. And he just okay. plays he plays that character. Right. Like, who uh, Tina Fey's character is, like, uh, like completely smitten with at first right. and then realizes, like, he thinks he can cook and he just, he can't, right? Like, his seasoning right. is, like, kool-aid powder right. and something and all that and she's like what this is disgusting and he's like every other woman i've ever had loves it and they're like no because you're tall and cute yeah exactly it's just because you're yeah, tall and handsome and they were just lying it. to you and I that's wonder what the when world that wears off yeah, yeah i don't know like sometimes like unless they, my, get, unless they get bald what wait till he gets bald, bald <laughs> unless, they get, unless they get bald because then oh, they get yeah. some of the complex now now they have something there's nothing worse than like a tall you know good looking guy with great hair because then it's like the guy's firing on all cylinders. Yeah, it's true. But sometimes when guys don't lose their hair, it means that they have low testosterone. Um, so maybe they're not into certain things because I'm, of uh, that. I'm not going to endorse that statement because I have like fantastic hair. Yeah, Chris has great okay. flow. All, it's all I got on me right now, Erica. Okay, so. and, you have, and you have good testosterone, you think? According to the doctors, I mean. My testosterone's a little bit low, I checked. I don't know what the... How, did know. you just ask for that? Is that something you can just like, Yeah, I did. I for? like. I went to this, like, I don't know. Here's another story. But I went, I was told, I had a friend during COVID who felt that I was too emotionally strenuous so he said, you should go to this million-dollar chiropractor. She's a miracle. And so I went to Dr. Karen. And, yeah, I mean, she used to talk to me about my feelings. She used to be like, so, like, what is it? Like, she would talk to your body. And she'd be like, so, I, it is safe to be alive. Like, I am safe. Like, a little out there. Mm-hmm. And anyways, she wanted, to, she wanted to check my testosterone to see but then I, she broke confidentiality with me, so oh, no. I had to fire her. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said her name on the podcast. I think you said a first name, so that's okay. Okay, I mean, <laughs> didn't she's, give the full. She's a million dollars. Also, so. I mean, like honestly, you said you said Doctor Karen, which I thought might have just been a dig. It was yeah, okay. <laughs> her name it wasn't Doctor Karen. And it was just it was just a dig I, at like oh, it was a Karen who was a doctor. I have fond memories of her, but then I thought, well, like anyways, I think that somewhere in the deep in the blog, you can find how the million dollar <laughs> chiropractor. Uh, betrayed me but um anyways low testosterone never really figured out what that meant um you know the girls like women have like a lot of hormonal things like i just find i probably this is not the podcast to get into periods but i mean mean, this is the podcast to get into how do you guys feel about periods because i for me it really swings the 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 moods are really wildly exciting um and you know Growing up, my brother and I were able to judge when to leave my sister alone okay. by 
the calendar. You know, it's like, right. oh, let's let's not bother her. Too, let's not bust her chops too much this week. I yeah. I used to live with one of our to, to uh, not feel the wrath. You know. Yeah, I I used to live with one of our uh, our me and Chris's mutual friends, Walter. I used to live with his wife, uh, okay. like as as roommates, and we had another roommate, and they synced up completely, mm, and, and it was the same thing. Is there? It, it was a, it it was, some months it's fine. Some months it was all of a sudden like a, a primal situation that was just happening, and it was like yeah. two guy roommates and two girl roommates, and, wow. and you just you, you rode that wave, and yeah. And, and I mean, but like at, at the same time, I also kind of believe in, like, I mean, I've read, <laughs> I've read Uh-oh. very like, I think like speculative science that there's like a, a, like a male cycle, even though it's not obviously a menstrual oh, cycle. Oh yeah. Isn't it by the day? It's not. Yeah, exactly. You, your hormonal cycle is every day, which is a piss off because the world is like organized in the 24 hour yeah. cycle. <laughs> But women have to deal with a month, and then you yeah, exactly. Have that's it. But like, yeah, that's it. There, there is the, that's it. There is some kind of like there is some kind of a male cycle that, you, like you said, is not monthly. It's on a shorter time period. Mm-hmm. Where oh yeah, I could be like oh yeah, that's my that's my extra emotionally sensitive time of day. And if mm-hmm. you talk to me at that time of day, it's maybe it's fine, or maybe I'll be a lot more sensitive than I would normally be, you know? Like, what, do, what do you think your sensitive emotional time of day is? Oh, like for me, it's like the whole, like the, 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 the not a morning person is like a very, very real thing for me. Like, I'm like so grumpy I, I am, I am a absolute pain in the ass, shitty person to deal with in the morning. Oh, Always God. have been, does, has nothing to do with sleep. I can have a good night's rest. I can have a good thing. People are like, don't talk to me in my coffee. It has nothing to do with coffee. It's like, it, it has nothing to do with anything. It has everything to do with like the specific hours of the day. I am just a terrible person to deal even with. Even if you don't, even if you sleep in, it doesn't matter. Whenever you wake up, it's not. No, it, it, it's the morning. If I sleep in, if I wake up at noon, I'm fine. I can wake up okay. noon fresh as a daisy. Like cause I've, I've, I've slept through the, I've slept okay. through the bad, like, like basically I would say, but between six, 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. Okay. Is where I'm awful. If I'm asleep okay. during that time, I'm it's significantly okay. better. It's not just waking up. It's just like, it's morning. That, okay, it feels oppressive. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it. If like, I if I sleep in on a weekend, I can wake up feeling like uh, maybe I'll be a little groggy for the first little bit, but it's like, but I I won't have that like three hours of just being in a in a real piss mood. Whereas if I wake up at six, it's three hours, and like I said, it has nothing to do with how much I slept. Has nothing to do with coffee. It's those hours of the morning is a bad time to. Can you deal avoid with. them? I try. I try to like sort of sleep in as much as possible. Obviously, my wife and I've been together a long time. Like she's a lot more patient with me in those morning hours, and we just Mm kind of don't really talk. Uh, And uh, we, those are just isolated times, right? Just kind of go through. I I have, I have to stick to a very strict routine, Uh or I I can get mad at myself. Yeah. (laughs) Like if something is like missing or whatever, like something I thought was there. Like if there's no milk. And even if it's my own fault that I didn't pick it up, I will just be like furious. morning. You're like morning PMS because that can happen too yeah. when like before your period and you're like mm. something didn't work or during, and then mm. you're just like what a tragedy and just like yeah, exactly the tiny and for me in the morning yeah. the tiniest tiniest little thing. And like I said, okay. for sure for some reason that I it is some kind of a some kind of a biological cycle that just makes no, me not shithead. good. Interesting. But Chris, do you have do you have a PMS hour in your day? Uh, not really. I try to be, 
I try to be as personable as I can all the time. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it sometimes works against me, but um, uh, high noon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Lunchtime. When you when you duels people with guns. No. Um, <laughs> No, I, I worked for years, uh, the early shift at uh, younger jobs, so I was always able to be. And now I wake up at like seven o'clock in the morning, so I don't even sleep anymore. So yeah, I have no choice but to be a morning person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like being a morning person. Yeah. I, w- I wish I could. Like it, it's, I'm so in love with the idea of the morning. <laughs> Morning, like everyone's yeah. like, like I was literally like a friend of mine who's currently like battling battling insomnia. So she was oh, like, God, oh, but like yeah. as a she was like as a perk, a silver lining to the insomnia uh, is like watching the sunrise and like and like having these like peaceful moments in her neighborhood where no one's awake yet mm-hmm. and she'll just like you know like go for like a walk through the park and the park is like empty as the sun rises and it's always like and i was like that looks so nice and i was like i would just be like this sunrise is stupid this park is stupid like that would be me experiencing that like it's the morning seems like a really nice quiet get your thoughts together time that some people just get to you know take advantage of it's not always nice to get your thoughts together like i'm awake <laughs> very early and when i'm when i'm doing well the morning is magical and when i am not doing well it's just this dark cloud of despair you're just you gather your thoughts together and they're terrible yeah and i, I, I don't but know the flip side is i can if i if i'm left to my own devices i'm a complete and like total night owl like i will right. i will go to bed at sunrise like uh-huh. if i if i'm like left completely alone and i have no work schedule or whatever else like that oh, i yeah. will be like oh sun is coming up now is time for sleep and then i will sleep sometime until like the early afternoon and and, and that feels so like right to my body <laughs> like right, just, just yeah. the world is not built for yeah, that, that's that schedule thing, right it's the world is not built like for yeah a lot of us have to make a lot of biological compromises but Eric, yeah, I wanted to ask you before we, yeah. uh, before we get out of here, because I, mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was finishing the Mammoth Project before, and part three uh, in Bombshells. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you are such a good me. reader. I'm just aroused that you've read this. Uh, well, it was interesting because like, I think a lot of people relate to this. You 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 were talking a bit about uh, in March of 2020, feeling like, is this the peak of my... My hotness. Your hotness. And it's not yeah. the first time I've heard that theory before. What led you to think that, and do you... Are you still scared of that? Like, do you think March of 2020 specifically or like a specific age where people are like, oh, I'm never going to be. Is it that age? Is it 30? 32? I don't know. I mean, I was, I remember I'd had like my teeth cleaned. I was a little bit on the, I mean, we shouldn't, I was a little bit on the Rexy side because I was a bit, um, I was a bit, this is trigger warning that was the wrong thing to say but anyway i probably was a little too lean because i was so stressed out i was walking all the time and like having a hard time making decisions around food so i wasn't eating enough and i don't know yeah i felt like young i guess like i felt like that that was when i was going to be the youngest the fittest the most i'd been in mexico because i had a house fire in 2019 i had like a pre-pandemic uh situation so then i went to mexico to like avoid the rental market and <laughs> I, <laughs> and then I, yeah, then I had to fly, I had an emergency flight back, but it, it did feel like the world was closing down and that maybe would be alone for how, who knows how many years. And I was like, yeah, what, what was the point of, what was the point of this, like 
because I mean, I don't do like Botox. I don't do much makeup, anything like that. I try a little bit on my hair. I didn't used to. Um, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't try. But what I guess what I did, try, what I have sort of tried all through my life, I didn't mean to, but I sort of had like had a certain level of fitness my whole life, which I, I try to say is just natural. But part of it is like lingering eating disorders, right? And it's kind of like, what was the point? Like, what was the point of trying to look a certain way and to be beautiful? Like, what? Yeah, what was what was the point? Is it all downhill from here? Like, is my value? going down now like perpetually now that like because like from i think i was 34 that was when um the pandemic hit i was um 34 going on 35 and i um and i just thought oh like we might i might be single a really long time i might not have much sex in the near future because there's a pandemic global lockdown yeah and it felt like yeah like sometimes like but the thing is, is I feel like my whole life, you look back on yourself and you're like, wow, I look so young, you know, like even like a few weeks ago, you're like, oh, my goodness, I looked so young. What, like, and then but then today I feel old or I feel, you know, fatter today or I feel like and I look like and I feel like even in my 20s, I've, I've been looking back at myself and being like, oh, I, I was, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, I was so pretty. I was so young and like not young, young is a new thing thinking about like sort of clinging to youth Mm -hmm. is something that happens. I think after 35, I didn't really care before, but I, I was like, Oh, you know, you were so hard on yourself and you were just so like, you just want to like, sometimes I see like pictures of me in my twenties. I just want to like pinch those little cheeks. You're just like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) Like, and I was just, it was so harsh with yourself. And it's like, I don't know. I think that that's why I wear short shorts. It's kind of like, you got to enjoy what you got. Right. And like, for again, not 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 to quote your own work, but uh, the jeans were being assholes, right? Yeah, sometimes. Oh, I hate jeans. Oh my god, you gotta get um, you gotta get a size up and like yeah, elastic. I like mini. That's why I like mini skirts with no no fly. Yeah, like just hard pants. So yeah, I don't know. It's a very like um, I guess like a delicate and complex issue. The mammoth complex and everybody's like body image, right? Because you can feel free and liberated and not give a shit. And then like, you know, the seasons change and you're like, are my pants going to fit? Right? And it's like, and then when they do, you're like, yes. And you're just like, oh my God, I hate myself. I hate that this matters. Right? But like, also nobody wants to go buy another, like a whole new wardrobe, right? Every season. Like that's draining. For uh, for me, well, it's I'm, always I'm both, on both your mental health and the bank account. Yeah, yeah. right. For me, it's always the, the, the suit. Oh, right. Because you're like, I you wear them like once or twice a year to right. like weddings. Uh-huh. And, and and then like sometimes you put them on, and you're like, oh, sweet. Like <laughs> right. everything still fits. And now you're, sometimes you put them on, and you're like, oh, no, this doesn't oh. <laughs> like even if, you, if, if they're like, if you didn't feel the body change, the yeah. like the suit from two years ago remembers like right, right. you're like, hey, this fit you at some yeah. point, even if it happened, like, like I said, even if it's not a major change that you didn't feel, the yeah. suit will remind you that happened to me literally two weeks ago when went, went to a wedding and I was like, oh, these pants are uncomfortable. Like <laughs> they're like, there's like stand up pants and sit down pants. Yeah, exactly. Like these, this, this was a, like, I was like, oh, I, I will not have like a full range of dancing movement in oh, these no. pants anymore. Where, yeah. Whereas like the 
same pants at a pre at a wedding last summer were fine. <laughs> so right, I'm like, something happened. Uh, maybe when, in October they'll be fine again. Too, who knows? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I'll say that like uh, uh, I I hit forty this year. Okay. And and I've. With Botox, you with look so young. No Botox. No, no Botox. I just, I just have a perpetual baby face. <laughs> uh, but I was like, so I something has happened. I think in the last like year or two, where now I feel that like any amount of like health and fitness is not even in the, as like in the in the service of staying young. Mm-hmm. It's just like to, like it's putting it in a future bank. To be yeah. like, oh, like I want to still be able to walk around in my 60s because that's yeah. when I'll retire and I want to have travel opportunities and I, yeah, I, have, yeah. I have bad knees or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like like that becomes the the motivating factor more than yeah. like more than like beauty and aesthetics as I was like, I right. I would like to be a man in his late 70s who can still walk around and, and yeah. handle stairs and, mm-hmm. and like it, it's it becomes a like it's less about body image and now it's just more about like. What do I do to like take care of my deteriorating the parts body? you have? Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's it. Like I'm yeah. not getting new knees anytime no, soon. No, I don't so like these surgery. Are, exactly. So these are the <laughs> these are the ones I have, and unless something like really bad happens and they whatever, but it's just right. like literally just had MRIs on my knees this summer. So oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I I've uh, I've stretched three of the four major ligaments in my knees through like various stupidity sports mm-hmm. and snowboarding okay. and skateboarding and stuff and it was just kind of a, a checkup to be like has is there any severe deterioration and they were like listen they're they're in rough shape but you're if you take care of them and do physio like mm-hmm. these are the knees you're probably going to have unless you like do something very extreme well that's good news it is good news but at the same time you have to do five hours of physio to exactly but, that's like, it. but it's now like oh i now need to take care of my like, knees to basically think ahead 30 years and not yeah. be in a wheelchair in my 70s or whatever yeah. have you you know so i'm like oh there's that that part is is creeping up where it's it's not about like i want to look good yeah. it's, it's, it's i want to walk 30 years from now. Yeah. But maybe our world will be a little more adapted to people with less mobility, hopefully. right? I've, I've said know. it. I've said it. I mean, hopefully it'll be more adaptive. But I've also said uh, my my big dream is that by the time I'm in my 70s, we'll have, like, um, worked out virtual reality to the point where I can, like, virtually go anywhere, regardless mm. of, like, as long as I have, like, my mental faculties or whatever. You're you know? into virtual reality? It sort of freaks me out. Like, you go dancing and stuff in the I middle. Don't, I, I don't do it now because it's not to the level of where I can be completely immersed in. Like, I've, I've okay. done it, and I'm okay. like, oh, it's kind of fun and it's weird. But okay. I think that 30 years of that technology advancing, if okay. I cannot tell the difference, as a an older person, I'll be like, heck, yeah, I want to go... You go to a safari. I want to go skydiving oh. or like skiing in the Himalayas uh-huh. or whatever, whatever have you. Just put the helmet on me. There's a local uh, comedian, uh, Rodney Ramsey, he might be interested in talking to you on okay. the podcast. He has a whole comedy series that's in virtual reality. That's uh, yeah, He owns virtual real estate. Yeah, yeah, he wow. does. So it's, it's gained a lot of steam uh, mm-hmm. recently. So um, Rodney Ramsey, he's a great okay. actor. We'll send you a link. But uh, okay. yeah, he's uh, he's created this whole universe where he's connected comedians from across the globe, really, by doing virtual reality comedy. So it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It's the fu- it might be the future. We we don't know. It might be huh. the future, but like I said, when they if if add stack thirty years of technological advancement on that, and if that suddenly becomes like a fully immersive thing, we'll see oh, if these man. wildfires give us another thirty years, brother. We don't have to worry about our knees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, fitness is like mental health. Like it just I I feel I just try to make it. I'm a bit addicted to some exercise, but I'm 
fairly moderate, so it's not excessive. And like, I do think it helps my mental health if I keep it, yeah, mm-hmm. not too far over to excess. But like every yeah. uh, like every therapist will tell you, moderation is the key to everything, right? So, yeah. Do you guys have therapists? I mean, I've uh, <laughs> had a couple. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have had in the past. Yeah. Like, uh, not yeah. not currently. And again, okay. not not for. Uh, not for a lack of belief in the system. If if, if okay. certain things yeah. if, if certain things happen, I will immediately get a therapist. There's no like yeah. There's no uh, there's no barrier to it. Hesitation. Okay. Like Zelda, yes. like Zelda dying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Just to bring it home. Exactly. Certain. And when when my dog dies, it will be like yeah. Get get yeah. on the get on the therapy Rolodex and and get someone to talk about it. Oh, yeah. uh, before we finish, I implore all the listeners to go visit Erica's website, ericajsmith.com. Uh, Schmidt, excuse me. That's, uh, <laughs> They'll figure it out. Italian. I'll link to uh, it. Don't worry. A lot, of cool, a lot of cool stuff to read. A lot. Of, I, the Madden Project was great. I really enjoyed it. And um, it gave me a different perspective as well about um, what others go through with uh, with their body and their image. So it was really cool to read. So thank you, Erica. Thank for you so really much for reading. That means that's very, I'm very touched. <laughs> No, no, it was really good. It was really it was funny. It was uh, it was great. We do a great thing on this podcast, which is perhaps nobody else does it, but we, we okay. ask our it's, We play guest. a ukulele and sing a song. Five questions. <laughs> no, wait. That's oh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's and your you, thing. You switch up the you switch up the questions too. No. So, so, oh. the, uh, yeah. uh, the first three questions <laughs> are questions that myself, Inez, who's one of the co-hosts, Lawrence and Keith come up with every year. We, okay. We do that for the whole season. Okay. And then the question number four is from last week's guest. Oh, okay. They good. asked a question blind to the next uh, guest, and then question five is you asking a blind question to the. Oh to the shoot! Guest. I should have prepared this. Okay. Okay. Yeah, good. No, 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 no. The, yeah. the less you prepare, the better. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's better. Kind of our model okay. here at this podcast. Okay. <laughs> so, question number one: What is your hottest take at the moment? Like, what's the What's the most spicy Erica Schmidt, Erica J. Schmidt take? Yeah, about hot takes. The world, news, whatever What's it is. What's a hot take? I don't get it. Uh, like a hot... That Donald Trump is actually good for America. That'd be oh. a very, that'd be like too spicy. That's a spicy take. That'd be an okay. upsetting take. It doesn't have to be that controversial. It could You could okay. just say uh, mayonnaise on french fries is amazing. Okay. That could be a hot no, take. No, I, I, I would like for all men to menstruate. Like, that's what I would, I hot would take. like. Yeah. Hot it is a hot take. Everybody, like, so, like. But then, would we also um, would we also go through menopause, or would just men have it forever? I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if it would be forever. It may be like an indeterminate amount of time. You're like, well, some people like the real jerks who like think PMS is in their head. I would like them to have their periods for like years and years. I'm thinking of someone in particular, and <laughs> other people okay. just once or twice get a little empathy. But yeah, I mean, menopause. I don't know. Like. I, I haven't thought that far ahead, but definitely okay. I would like, like just, you you guys have no idea, like the cups of blood, like if, if dudes are waking up in the middle of the night with a cup of blood gushing out their, down their legs, like they would just, I just don't think they would handle it well. And I think they would just have a little more respect for women. I also, I, I know, so I, I agree. However, I feel that if it happened to all men, somehow they would make it so bad. Nobody mentions like me. So yeah, exactly. Like it, it would become like it would become like a weird being like, yo, bro, look at this. Look at how I wrecked the sheets, bro. Like, you know, like it would just it would somehow become like a weird really a weird like flex of toxic masculinity to be like how much 
menstruate. Like, how much oh you menstruated God. in a given I month? They're all, saying, they're all saying it, but, but I was so much better at this than Keith. I'm going to make a reel about my period. I actually do have my menstrual blood on the internet somewhere if oh. people want to look for it. Because anyway, you Google hard enough. Nobody, yeah. Somebody's Googling right now. <laughs> Just, I think if you got menstrual... Uh, Something menst- peanut butter, menstru- menstrual blood, peanut butter, something like this. Peanut butter and menstruation, Erica, you might find something. Okay, so that's my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> um, question number two. To you, Erica, uh, who is the star of Sesame Street? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, well, I, I've heard people answer Big Bird um, mm-hmm. and... I would tend to agree in terms of like, I think that Big Bird had a big impact. However, like if I look back to Sesame Street, what I remember the most, um, I remember the deaf lady who's really not the star at all, but Linda, I I just, she had a great impact on me and also Ernie and Bert, you know? Ernie and Bert. Ernie and Bert. Yeah. Like I just think that segment was very precious and, um, yeah, I, I like I don't remember anything that Big Bird said to me, you know, like I don't Fair. remember. But like I the f- Ernie and Bert scenes, I kind of remember more like rubber ducky and like. Just- I always Ernie and Bert stand out a lot for a couple reasons. Is that like obviously everybody on Sesame Street are friends with each other. Like yeah. that's fine. But like, like whether whether or not you wanted to read into them as a couple or just really close friends, mm-hmm. it, the bond between. Bert and Ernie seemed so much more like developed and genuine than between mm-hmm. any other two characters. Yeah. Like they were like honest and open with each other in a way that I think was just sort of like, like I said, whether you wanted to read into it as that they were a couple or as they were just like really, really close friends that like open and like that openness and open communication between the two characters was just, I thought, very like inspiring as a kid. Like, you know, like you're just sort of like, oh yeah, like if you have a best friend or someone you're close to, be open with them about how they make you feel and like and yeah. all that like, like a lot of that came from like Bert and Ernie being like neither one of them was the like I'm gonna teach you a lesson the way like Big Bird or Elmo kind of gets taught yeah, a lesson about yeah, yeah. like they're like no they're figuring this out as like like I said peers e- or lovers as or peers or lovers were. or whatever but like as equals they're yeah. coming to each other it's not like neither one of them was necessarily like being taught a lesson you know like yeah and their pajamas were also inspiring. It was yes. a bit like um, Frog and Toad are friends. They had that sort of, you know, that book, Children's. I do not. Oh, they're like they're like junior novels. Yeah, like, my, my... they have chapters and they have pictures. You can read it to your dog because you're not going to have kids. But <laughs> my you... buddy, my buddy did reference uh, Frog and Toad are friends on the other show, yeah. and he said that he made the mistake of giving them both like froggy toady voices. And now his son is just sort of like, and do the voices. And he's like, it's so like scratchy because I gave them, I gave them like froggy toad voices. Oh, and it hurts his. Yeah. And he's just sort of like, it's real rough. And it's like three o'clock in the morning and he can't sleep. And he's like, do the voices. And you're like, oh man, here we we go. Like doing the rubber ducky song would be easier. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. He was like, I made a mistake giving them fun, like croaky voices. And now that's like the only way he wants to yeah, have the stories read to him. Was too good a parent, and then <laughs> the rest of his life is ruined. Oh dear! But yeah, I liked yeah Ernie and Bird, and I mean like it's good to teach kids about roommates, you know, mm-hmm. sleeping in shared spaces, together, also, shared like, spaces. Yeah. So yeah, Bird and Ernie, I think had a lot of lessons of shared spaces. Yeah, and it was is... tidy. It seemed like a tidy little apartment. Yeah. Question yeah. three, Chris. 
what piece of media has been the most formative in your life? So that could be a book, uh, a news article, a, t- a television show, uh, okay. a podcast. Yeah, yeah. like the, the idea was is like something that you consumed, <laughs> consume maybe not the correct word, or experienced as as a as a piece of art, as a piece of media, and it like changed your outlook on you're like oh I could do something in a different way or or like this changed my way. I of can thinking. start a podcast or whatever. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I have this is you, the listeners can't see, but I like I have no decor no decor in my house really. Uh, but I take pictures of all the library books I read and then I put them on my wall. Oh, so it's fun. like there's yeah it's my that's decor. Cool. So I want to see if I look at. Um, like if anything jumps the wall, out. If there's anything that jumps out. Um, I the... really like oh what's that? Oh no, I, w- I was just filling air while you were while you were thinking. If you <laughs> I was just gonna say oh. I was like it's like you mentioned minimalism and it's like the minimalist bookshelf. Because you're like, no, I took them yeah. from the library, I don't have them on a bookshelf, but I have read them and now they are here on my wall. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I love my library books, like I can get really into them. Um, I guess, okay, can I, I'll share two of my favorite authors. Um, one is, her name is Curtis Sittenfield, and she wrote a book that she's famous for. It's called Prep, and it's like about uh, a young woman going to boarding school in Massachusetts. I really like books about like rich people having problems. Love, <laughs> I love rich, rich people problems. Uh, but she wrote a book, she's written books about um, first ladies, so like Hillary. And um, and the, my favorite was uh, American Wife. It's it's like it's a fictional version, very fictional version of um, Laura Bush's life. So and that's pretty much all I know about Laura Bush is based on this novel. So it changed my way of seeing the world, but none of it's factual. But yeah, I really like uh, novels, um, and I um, so I like that. And then I also like an author called Anne Lamott. Uh, and she wrote a book called Bird by Bird, and it's advice on writing. And it's just, it's very gentle. Um, and basically, it's just like one thing at a time, you know, bird by bird. And uh, yeah, it's just sort of a very forgiving approach to writing, very kind. She's very funny and neurotic and self deprecating. She also writes novels. So yeah, and Lamont. And I mean, I'm sure there's others, but I can't, that's how I, that's what I thought of us. I mean, that, that's that's the idea is not to overthink it. So yeah, per, didn't, okay, nailed it perfect. Um, last episode we had uh, Raji uh, Chalia on. Sorry, yep. I had a bubble uh-huh. in my throat right there. Montreal uh, okay. comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember her question, Chris? I have it written down, but I was wondering no, if you remembered I do not it. Remember uh, so she wanted <laughs> to know um, when you're riding shotgun, and the driver. Uh, is doing something that is making you uncomfortable. Either they're say say they're they're going too fast or they're switching lanes oh, sporadically. Mm-hmm. But you're you're in the shotgun position, so you're like getting a ride somewhere. So they're they're kind of doing you the favor. What is the mm-hmm. what is your approach to correcting the driver? Oh no, I'm actually a little bit afraid of driving. Like I, I think that maybe I had a spinal cord injury in my last life. I've always been very nervous okay. driving, but also as a passenger, like when I was a little kid or like not even that little, but I was on the swim team in Perth, Ontario, which is a small 
Mm-hmm. Uh, small town, and then we had a swimming pool, but then there's something called long course training where you want a, an Olympic size pool, so 50 mm-hmm. meters instead of 25 meters. And so we would go to Ottawa for speaking and being a morning person, but practice was at like six in the morning. So we would meet at the swimming pool at 4:45. Okay, we're like 11. No, and no, it was, and so <laughs> None of that. everybody, so and the parents were driving us. Can you imagine our swim coaches were driving us, and they were they the swim coaches were like notorious speeders, and all the other kids fast asleep, and Erica is like just white like, knuckles. Just, Staring at the speedometer, and and like the the coach was like, oh my god! So they just put a postcard in front of the speedometer, and then other instead of correcting the behavior, they're like, this will calm her down. Just put a, put yeah. a postcard in front. So, it's but so now I would say I'm a bit timid. I I mean I think that I would get out of the car. Like if I wasn't comfortable, I would just be like, I gotta, I would get out. I think I would do that. But I usually I usually really bet people if they're gonna drive me someplace, I'm like, mm-hmm. are you a good driver? And then. And then usually they are like they're not going to be that bad. Like mm-hmm. I, but I, I won't. Yeah, I usually mention. So that you would, you would remove yourself I, from the situation instead of yeah, ju- like instead of confronting. Yeah. You just be like, you know what, I'm fine here. I'll, I'll get somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think I would distract yourself yeah. from the situation. That's totally valid. yeah. Because the people are like, chill out, relax. And I hate it when people tell me to chill out. It never works. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> has yeah. the opposite effect every time. Yeah, every time. Yeah. Uh, and fifth and question. question number five is for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought of like something. Um, all right. So I was going to say, so if I, it would vary on whether the guest is single or in a relationship, but okay. if, so if the guest was single, I would ask, what do you miss the most about being in a relationship? And then if they're not single, you could ask, um, what do you miss the most about being single? And that's it. Hmm. So yeah, what do you miss? We can give both answers. Cause, cause oh, I'm, oh, yeah. okay. There so you, you want me to yeah, answer? We, we my usually take a crack at them before we we hand yeah, it. Yeah, Keith. Okay. Usually, okay. Yeah. Are we all answering, or I go first? I mean, if you want okay. to answer the own question, you can okay. definitely okay. go for it. I, w- I don't. I would not stop you. Oh, what I, no what I miss though. the most. <laughs> what I miss the most about being single is kissing. You know, there's a lot of things you can do by yourself. You can't kiss yourself. I was just thinking of that today. Mm-hmm. So. That's what you miss the most about being Otherwise, in a relationship. Otherwise, it's a breeze. Being in a relationship. Really. Being in a relationship. That's what I mean. Yeah. Being in a relationship. It's a kissing. Yeah. It. What did you miss the okay, most about, about being in a relationship or about being single? Yeah. Depending on where you're at. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So, for me, personally, uh, what I miss the most about being single is really, like, and, and this it's, it's very conflicting because I absolutely, like, I'm pretty much a serial monogamous like i've been in like almost like long-term relationship after long-term relationship i'm not Mm -hmm. single for a very long period of of time uh and and kind of like never have been even when i was trying like oh like i literally signed these divorce papers and got married again the same day almost yeah i'm kidding um i i literally the i was like i'm gonna stop dating people exclusively and start dating people casually and right. within about a week or two of that decision, I met Sarah, who I've now been with for 15 years. Like, I'm very yeah, bad. I'm very, very like bad. That. They can't. They can't do it. I'm just, I was like, you know what? I'm so going to be funny. open and honest with everybody. And just, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm seeing multiple people and we're being very casual. And I was like, I love her. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And I it worked you, out. Sarah. <laughs> but <laughs> being sweet. single, though, is I do and like I said I think back to like when when I was single or even when like if Sarah was gone for traveling for a whole period of time I like love having like 
being the absolute like beginning and end of my schedule where it's like there's no right. person to think about other than myself mm -hmm. in terms of what I'm doing today it's no checking in yeah, no are you doing this no whatever else is like having that mm -hmm. and like I said I absolutely love being in a relationship but that that those days are just wonderful to me and that element is I really enjoy just being really like oh yeah I'm just gonna do whatever I want today with no and not to say I'm gonna mm -hmm. be, have an unproductive day or a productive day. It doesn't matter. Just I don't need to check with anybody. It's really, it's great. Right. I like that. Okay. Well, you know, and thanks for making it such a brief answer, Keith. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, it. buddy. That's what I thought. <laughs> I thought he. Thought. Um, I think kissing, <laughs> kissing's a good answer for the single folks. Yeah. I'll go a little cheesier uh, and self serving as a comedian, but um, you get to run jokes off of your partner. Right. Uh, that you otherwise probably shouldn't run uh, ever. <laughs> I think they're the best. Uh, they're the best barometer of whether a joke should be brought to a stage or not. Is if you if your girlfriend likes it. So oh, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, but you can't make jokes about your partner until you break up. No, right? No. You have to. Yeah, wait. yeah, no. You, you any um, personal. Uh, jokes outside of family you really got to be careful with because yeah. yeah it's either got to be yeah. it's either got to be post breakup or you're, you're married with a kid like our exactly. with lawrence makes yeah. Yeah. his wife uh a little bit but uh, it's mostly because she's french <laughs> yeah that's fair but that's what i'm saying i feel yeah. that like like there has to be like deep deep-seated relationship yeah, like, like you got to be like at like three yeah. four five years together before i think it even gets mm -hmm. on the table of being like hey babe i'm gonna I'm going to start making jokes about yeah. this. I'm going to yeah, put exactly. you on the blog. Yeah, I have a bit of a... Because then, like, then like, yeah. get into fights, and a lot of us are like, is it going to be in your act? No, it's not. Every time we get in a fight, you take out this little notepad. What is this? <laughs> not yet, but eventually this is going to yeah. be talked about, you know? Uh, <laughs> Erica, so... Um, is it is the best way to go onto the website? Are you on all the podcast streaming services? What's the best yeah, way to find I'm on the show? This, the podcast is as many followers as we can get, the better. So I'm on This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life on Apple, Spotify, Google, and then Stitcher and Amazon. I think those are the five. Um, but yeah. yeah, you want to go to the website, you can read things. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think it's the best place to listen to the podcast, but you can. It's better to go to one of yeah, the Yeah, it's platforms. better to go usually it's, on a podcasting You can usually like app. rewind and stuff a little easier. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and you can follow me on Instagram, erica.j.schmidt. I'm also on Facebook. Um, if you want to follow me there, I have a public profile. And yeah, you know, slide into my DMs. I'd love to hear from you. I don't think I've ever been on a full-length podcast before. Maybe oh. I, not just about me. So this has been very flattering. It's been very fun. So, you know, and, and you know, follow Go Plug Yourself because they're on to some great guests. Uh, maybe. Yeah, we are. We finally got, we finally got to our great guests uh, portion of our <laughs> 280 <laughs> episodes in, we were no, like, let's start, let's start getting guests. some good guests let's on this. Booking some real guests here. Oh, come on! I I definitely binge listened to a few episodes. So awesome! Thank you so yeah. much, uh, Erica. Thanks, yeah. thanks for coming out and doing this. It was awesome. Yeah, and thank you. This is a very generous project, and um, yeah. So look forward to seeing everybody on the interwebs or at cultural experiences. <laughs> and um, exactly. yeah, thank you too so much. Awesome! Thanks Cheers. a lot. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hey there, loyal listener who listens to the show all the way past the closing credits. Um, thank you for listening to Go Plug Yourself. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoy the show, I cannot stress this enough. Please tell people about it. We don't really have a budget for marketing or fancy Facebook ads or putting up billboards on the street. Uh, we really have to rely on word of mouth, which uh, basically means that if you listen to the show and you enjoy the show, Please uh, share it, link it, uh, tell your friends about it. Say, hey, there's this show called Go Plug Yourself. They talk to Montrealers or people that have stuff going on in Montreal or uh, just people that have stuff to uh, promote that we kind of care about. We can we can go outside of Montreal if we want to. Um, yeah, so just tell tell people about the show. It's a, it's a fun show. We, we like doing it a lot. We've done it for over 200 episodes, and it's in large part thanks to support from uh, people like you. Um, if you want to support the show, at all you can go to uh, patreon.com slash nine to five cc and uh, throw a couple bucks our way it really helps with uh, the hosting fees for the most part we're really not trying to make a profit on this um and also if you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who might uh, want to be a guest on the show you can uh, contact us either on facebook or on twitter there's a bunch of ways to find us uh and uh, and let us know and if the scheduling and the timing and everything works out maybe you can be the next person who uh comes on the show and uh, plugs something a uh, big thank you as always to Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude who provided our theme songs and of course a thank you to uh, all of the hosts that we have on the show uh, Walter J. Ling who is technically retired but still sometimes hosts uh, Christopher Vendito, Lawrence Korber and uh, Ines Anaya uh, all, are all amazing co-hosts and you should support them and their comedy and uh, and all of that. Uh, thank you for listening thank you for choosing Go Plug Yourself uh, as one of your from the millions of podcasts and have a beautiful day Thank you. 905.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.